and we are back. Hey. Savage Barbell Podcast, back with Travis, uh, doing part two today. Round two. To, uh, you know, just, we have a lot more time today to talk and go through programming and training and just where I think training and people's mindsets are today because, you know, when we both started, I mean, there was no real internet or social media or clout chasing or anything like that. Now it's like, it's it's crazy. So, uh, where where do you want to start at? Man, what a day to be back in Mobile. Went to the Mardi Gras ball last night, and it's almost overwhelming. Like, just seeing, it's hilarious. I was making the the, uh, realization because women, the ladies have to wear or get to wear, like, all these fancy ball dresses and stuff. And the guys, we all look the exact same. We all have the exact same penguin tuxedo on. So there's no way of like outclassing the next gentleman in your in your dress other than your physique. No, there's that. And Victoria told me there's like one organization that you still have to wear gloves as a guy. No, thank you. I, I don't know which one that is, but you still have to wear the gloves. Now the only thing you can do differently is if you're part of the organization, then you can look like a clown, like the guys on the par- on the parade. They were yeah. I was asking because I'm not that. I was here for three years or two years, but I wasn't really. But you, I mean, yeah, you're not. You, you're from North. You're not from. Uh, same when I got down here, I was like, I don't get it. It yeah, doesn't. Why, the, why is there like? Why is the, why is the ICP here? Why are there some people wearing uh, like the Juggalo? Juggalo. It's just the know. Mardi Gras. If they're members of the organization, the organization, they can wear whatever they want. But there's also like but it's uniform. They all wear the same thing. There's that, but then I also saw there's a couple people that used to come to the gym back in the day when we had our adult classes, and. Um, they had like yellow and orange tuxes on. Now I don't know if the, now they are. You know they're gay. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying like maybe that organization allows that. But like that's the only time you'll see something different is one of those organizations that are probably a little more open to doing certain things. Like even like the black balls, you probably they're a little more open to dress code. But like the old school mm-hmm. ones that started as probably mean old white people, good old boys. You right. have to wear what you need to wear. But um, it was weird though, because yeah, you would definitely wear. You know, everyone's in tuxes and gowns, and then there's just it almost looks like uh, like a hockey. It's weird. It's like a, it's like an all silk jumper, and it's the least formal thing in the world. And all the and it's it's the society people, people who are like part of the little groups. I guess, yeah. Right? Someone well, who knows. Well, and the about, thing is, it's so weird too, is because you know it costs you what like seventy bucks to rent one. A what, tux? What did it cost you to rent? In, in Tennessee, is a smooth 180. Oh, so in 180, so in Tennessee. So down here. So just bought one. It's, it's, so, yeah. So down here, it's like 70 to rent one or like 100 to buy one. So it's like, what? What, are we, twice, do- yeah. Yeah, like, what, what just, are we doing here? Just spend an extra 20 bucks. So, um, But, yeah, anyway, to the point being that, like, there's, the only way you can really stand out is to have a great physique. Oh, yeah. Right. Because uh, shoulder-to-waist ratio. It's yep. the only thing that shows because, you know, I, I can't wear black and white more fancy than you. We all have the same thing on. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, but like you said, the girls can kind of get away with the girls go all out with whatever <laughs> hanging out, as long as it's a long gown. There's some really weird splits too, like where these dresses split and uh, some sloots. If we want to, want to go. Oh there. yeah, it's just it's not a it's not, it's not a classy look. No, especially some of the organizations. They kind of welcome to the Savage Podcast where we got canceled in the first five minutes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so. Training stuff. Always. Like we were talking yesterday or the other day about how you changed and kind of your bodybuilding split. Now, 
what does a typical day look like since you're training? I don't know if he's a pro bodybuilder. I'm sure he's probably trying to get his card or he just does it for fun, but like that's what he does. Like your, mm-hmm. your partner, he does, he does strictly bodybuilding training. So what does a normal split look like? And before you, after you talk about the split or maybe before you talk about the split, when you first really started training with him, not like working out with him. Cause I'm sure you went up there, you were working out and then you start talking, hopping in, you know, a couple of days a week with them. But like when you first started training with them, like what, how your eyes opened up to that totally different style of training where you thought you were doing like bodybuilding style, mm-hmm. but you were just like, you were just working out. You yeah. weren't, you weren't training bodybuilding. You were working out like a bodybuilder, but you weren't training. That's exactly like a bodybuilder. That's the first distinction to make is, are, you know, and you can ask people, are you training or are you working out? And there's a, there's a real easy distinction. Go to a gym at five thirty in the morning. No one's in there working out. They may not know what they're doing, they're training. Yeah. There's a whole different mindset and intent that goes into training. And that's why you got to be real precise with your language. Because if you just say, I'm going to go to the gym and work out, that's great. That's an exercise session. Yeah. Training is an end point to get better. Yeah. Right. So that's a big distinction that a lot of people who may be frustrated with their progress aren't making. Mm-hmm. Because if you're training, if you're in training camp, you're doing things outside of the gym that align with that goal. Right. You're not at the Mardi Gras ball all night smashing whiskey cokes yeah. because you got legs in the morning, mm-hmm. right? So there's a big difference that goes into that. So when I first, when I realized I wasn't going to weightlift anymore, uh, competitive weightlifting, yeah. I realized that, you know, just the easy thing to fall back to is physique because I had this moment between being a fighter and being an Olympic weightlifter where I was working in the gym as a personal trainer, just you just, you know, already having a few years of training under my belt, had like a, a decent physique to be like, oh, I, I can like diet down and take some photos and yeah. work at myself as a personal trainer. We've all been there. If you're 21 and a meathead and want to do this professionally, yeah. that's your game plan. So from there, started to fall back into my education. You and I share our same undergraduate in exercise science and realize that there's some really smart people in this field. And, uh, you know, I've always been a fan of Dr. Mike Isretel. Jared Feather and those guys over at Renaissance Periodization and started to look into kind of their methodology. So if you haven't been through this and you're interested in hypertrophy, I was doing this uh, right before I left here. Yeah, They have a whole YouTube series where they've went through the literature and figured out what is like the upper limit of recoverable volume for each body part. Yeah. And then what's the lower limit to keep a body part the same? And this is all a hypertrophy stimulus because easy, the easiest thing to measure is volume over time. Yeah. Load and intensity will be different per lifter, but volume is a very standardized measurement. It's a variable that we can account on. Yeah. So, for example, like to keep legs, quads, pretty much the same size, you only need like one or two hard sets a week. Yeah. That's all the stimulus your body needs. So that can even be like a ruck. Yeah. You know, a long ruck will give you that stimulus. But arms, arms are highly stimulative. So you can train arms damn near to failure every day. Yeah. I mean, especially if it's just like a single set of biceps or a single set of triceps. Mm-hmm. And then it gets a little complicated when you start looking at how many sets of triceps am I doing per week? Because you got to take into account all of your pressing movements. Yeah. So they have some literature out there that's really helpful. To start looking at training as at physique exercises training. That's where I started. This is how my little journey went. Because I have a, a degree that has... Incline, inclined me to want to be data driven. Yeah. So I want data points. I want to be able to see the change over time. So I started to do this and started going off their literature and realized, well, let me just pay for one of their products. They have yeah. a hypertrophy. Guide. Well, here, and here's one thing too, I think with having the degree in the extra science is 
and I think you could probably attest to it. It might be a little different at, from App State, but everything, like I said, is data-driven, literature-driven. But it's not really the training that you really that you're gonna do. It's more the bear, like the NSCA type training in the books that you would learn. Now, some, it might be different up there because I know yeah. they're a little more up to date. But like a lot of these people, like if you're going extra science degree, like you have to do stuff on your own, read stuff on your own, because a lot of these schools, it's just the theory. The theory, and it's, it's you know. You then you go take a CSCS test, you take it, but then you go to a real training gym, like a performance gym, and it's like, oh, we, that's not how it really works. No one's doing the agility ladder. Really. Yeah, nobody's doing these drills or doing training like this. Or like, yeah, it's like, you know, four sets of ten does this, but really the last set is what matters. Or are you moving the bar at the same rate of the velocity, velocity all ten reps? Because if you're not, then you're only getting those, you know, yeah. two reps at the beginning, right? But anyways, go back to your – I was just – Yeah, yeah, I Because, like, data is huge – but people need to realize too that you need to be around true either athletes, coaches, centers, gyms that train specifically in certain disciplines because the books are going to say one thing because they're so clinically like the, mm-hmm. most of it's clinical data from people who you know usually it's just people who work out and they do the, the, the sure. studies from them, not true athletes. So. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and you know that that may be a point to expand on. So. Uh, let me kind of finish this thought yeah, and yeah, come yeah. back to it. So I bought a product they sell called the, um, I believe it's just a male physique template. Because mm-hmm. I want to get an idea how these guys think. Um, it was someone that, like I said, I'm, I'm really highly respected in the field. So let, let's see how they kind of put together programming. And I uh, was doing that for, I, done, I did two, no, I think I did all four. I did four, four to seven week me, uh, mesocycles. Yeah. Uh, strict. Build sets, straight sets, one metabolite style training mm-hmm. uh, for four weeks, and then a deload. I was going back through it, and uh, I started to realize that kind of quick. I was realizing that from my schedule and the way my day set up, I'm not a pro athlete, that it's really not demotivating, but it's, I don't get as excited to come in and know that I've got two sets of hamstrings, a set of lateral delts, and a set of triceps as my workout for the day. Yeah. And I'm on a deload. It's smart scientifically that you should do that, but and again, it's to cover these variable, these volume variable landmarks yeah. to make sure that you're getting enough stimulus across the system if you're trying to grow everything. Now, certain people, like I have great delts. Yeah. My delts grow regardless. It could be from weightlifting or whatever. I really don't have to put that much emphasis on my delts if I wanted to. I could probably pull some back and put yeah. that into a lagging body part. And it would still be the same. Like my arms, right? They're not going to shrink any because they're still getting plenty of stimulus, but they're not going to have that, that maximal growth stimulus. Yeah. Right? So everything in this game of hypertrophy I'm learning, is stimulus effect, yeah, cause and effect. So your question is, how did I start training? How did that change my philosophy? So I'd done, I'd done that and was sticking to it and still kind of, I don't have it with me, but I was still kind of logging my workouts. And I've always been a logbook yeah. guy. I have them from back in the day in college. Um, and you notice the people that are training when you're training other than the people that are working out. Yeah. So met my uh, training partner, uh, Spencer, and he had a Tyler Childers t-shirt on. Now, I'm a social butterfly. I'll talk to anybody. This dude's very introverted. So I was like, nice shirt. Just kind of talking to him. And then uh, as most uh, gym bromances go, you need a spot at some point. So you come ask the guy who's nice to you. So I talking training philosophies. He's like, well, why don't you come and train with me one day? And we did chess together on a Monday. And I just did every workout for the rest of the time since today with him. Yeah. And it changed entirely because I asked him, like, what is your approach? 
and he's got a different degree than us. So he's not. He doesn't have this background. But the, the man's massive. He's yeah. two ninety one this morning. Sent me his check in photos. He's two ninety one with a six pack. Yeah, that's insane. Like and dense. Like not small. Yeah, six two, six three. Um, and he started talking to me about like go back and like look at when we were kids. You know, our heroes were. Uh, okay, thank you. Better. Our heroes, Arnold, Sylvester. When you go back and look at the bodybuilders in those days, like the Dorian Yates days, like yeah. go back and watch Blood and Guts. And go back and like look and research some DC style training. He's like, man, this is how I've always trained. I train with maximum intensity to failure. Yeah. I do a body part a day. And the idea that I kind of started looking at comparing it to like the RP approach is that with complete annihilation of a body part, and I mean failure. Like I did a workout in here with a guy that, you know, it, it sucks he's getting there, but you got seven reps left when you're ready to quit. Yeah. Like, that's not failure. That's that's seven reps in reserve. Yeah. Four reps in reserve. I want zero. Yeah. I, I want that bar to stop moving under your power, and then I'm coming in for three more forced reps. Yeah. So we started training that way, and my physique took off. Yeah. Started eating, started sleeping, and started training and approaching physique workouts like training. Yeah. So standardizing everything across the board. And I've kept movements the same for probably the last year close to it with very slight variations and angles. Yeah. So, I mean, literally the same pressing in a Smith rack or on a machine that we can when it's available, right? Yeah. If you're in a per, uh, public gym. And I think that's something else that a lot of people need to consider in their training is keeping the, the skill to a minimum so that you can have constantly repeated output. Yeah. And that's one thing that, you know, if you can take that variable off the table, then all we're looking at again is load over time, reps and sets. Because now we've adopted this training philosophy that intensity is going to be high regardless. Yeah. Even your back offsets are to mechanical failure. Yeah. And there's a big difference here. I don't advocate everyone to train to failure, but if you're an experienced lifter, somebody who's been in the gym long enough to be able to approach the things that we talked about last time, yeah. uh, control, style, and grace. If you can keep those three checkpoints in mind and take a set of hack squats to the point where you're not making that last rep and you're okay with that, mm -hmm. you're not afraid that you're going to get injured, you trust your training partners, Yeah, there's a shit ton of growth there. Then you learn, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> you learn what really that rep from failure means. So that whenever you decide that life's a little crazy and you need to go to like a maintenance block, like the holidays or something, you don't have to take it to failure, everyone, because you know where three reps from failure really is, and that's yeah. a much more recoverable model. So it changed it changed everything from an intensity standpoint. Yeah. And not meaning load, because load's yeah. irrelevant. I'm actually, I'm disheartened that I'm as strong as I am, and I'm not that strong, because I have to use two plates, three plates on this or that to get a desired yeah. effect for 11 reps. I'd, I'd much rather just have one plate on the bar that'd be way easier yeah. and safer but it's a so what is a normal all right so what is a normal say uh hack squat pendulum squat what is the reps and sets for your the working set mm -hmm. is that can i know it's a failure but like mm -hmm. what is the range yeah absolutely and then on the drop sets what are the range because the drop sets range a little differently may possibly or are they the same possibly so the goal the ultimate goal always is and like body part might vary like you said arms like mm -mm. It's you all, do the all same. the same. All the same. So the, the ultimate goal is 9 to 11 at failure. So around rep 7 or 11, you want to be questioning if you're going to make it through this set. Yeah. If you're at like 3 or 4 and you're moving way too fast, go ahead and stop. Put some more weight on there. Yeah. Three working sets mainly. Uh, just because of volume is something that I've learned that I, health-wise, I don't recover really well from. Yeah. That's what weightlifting taught us. Like volume beats me to death. So I get maybe three main motions, 
uh, let's Monday's tomorrow's Monday, so let's go through chest. Yeah. So I'll start with some sort of a mechanically advantaged incline press, something that's super stable. Mm-hmm. Um, hammer strength incline, typically. Look at the logbook, realize what my weight was last week, and look at the reps. So yeah. if that first set's at like 13, I'm going up this week. Yeah. That set was at nine, I'll repeat the number. Yeah, I'll until you go, like, until you get 10 or right. 11. 13. 13, yeah. 14 is usually like the sign to go ahead and go up and wait. Go up and wait, okay. Nine's acceptable in a big compound movement. It That slides down to like six and seven being really acceptable, and 12 being way too many. Yeah. Like, like a, a really super heavy back squat. Um. And taking into account, all this means that your range of motion and everything is standard, right? Yeah. There's no cutting a rep short. There's no deviation, full Bingo. lockout. Bingo. Or, you know. I know what you mean. Where but people like, feel safe. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want people no, hyperxing their knees. No, but like full, like, I mean, good range of motion. Correct. Not, not Repeat, quarter reps. Repeatable range of motion, right. And that'll improve over time as well as people don't learn. Like, I've, we've got a young lifter, our barber, shout out to Max. He's come along with us for like the last six months. And you'll see that his range of motion is actually increasing if you watch his if you watch his recordings because he's getting stronger in in range. So he's actually more comfortable to go to a range of motion that previously wasn't really that possible for yeah. him. So we'll go through. Say we do an incline press, maybe a maybe a flat press, but never like a bench press. I just I don't bench anymore. Yeah, shoulders don't need it. And it, and and to be honest with you, it's probably not the. To go to failure on something like that is probably not the safest for your shoulders, biceps, pecs. Like it's not worth it. That's it's why not, you do machines. Like certainly not. Like you're not you're not a power lifter. You're not a weight lifter. You're not a strong man. You're there to get bigger, right? And look better, right? So why not do something that's gonna be safer? To where if you do fail, you just drop it. Well, you want the yeah exactly. Why why even risk highly repeatable over time, right? So you want that to be able to be repeated. The next Monday, you don't want to have to take sure. that time off. And we do have those little injuries pop up where you may lose a set a week because you have an issue. So yeah. Just make a little note in your logbook. Yeah. So Hold on one second. Okay. All right, and we're back from our sponsor non-sponsor break. <laughs> we're gonna have a couple of those. All right. So, um, what does a what does a training session look like? The the goal without having to go through each exercise, and I will for this chest day because I know somebody other wants to mimic it. Shout out training log podcast. Go watch me train. Um, the, the goal is always each, each working set. And this is where it's really important for your training partner to like kind of check with you too, is if you're doing an exercise and you're at five, six warmups rep, warmup reps, you want to know like, Hey man, is this a working set? Are we yeah. working here? And you'll, you'll hear me say that in a lot of my videos. Are you working here? And yeah. Then, yeah. No. And you just kind of give your training partner a nod. So the goal is always nine to 11 reps of under your force production to failure, to mechanical failure, right? Yeah. You can leverage your body and create some body English to get an additional rep. Yeah. You don't need that, right? That's what your training partner's for. Yeah. So you'll see on an incline press, like a hammer strength or something that's really safe where you have an ability to grab onto the actual handles and help move, yeah. right? You know where that sticking point is as a good training partner. Mm-hmm. You watch some of our videos and like, I'm actually trailing the bar yeah. with my hand because I'm, I'm not even really watching. I'm waiting on that rhythm to slow down and I'm going to start applying the least amount of force to get Just you so over you get that through curve. Because you're... From a hypertrophy standpoint, your muscles don't really know that you didn't produce all that force because they're still pushing against the resistance. Yeah. So they're still recruiting motor units, and it's still getting that stimulus of this asshole is going to do this again next week. We need to get bigger and stronger. So we'll do um, a set of 9 to 11, and then there's at least two working sets. Now, I've recently, for hamstrings, went and added in stiff leg deadlifts with just a regular bar. Yeah. And that is intense. I train first thing in the morning, 5.36. That is entirely too taxing. 
So I've only done two working sets for the past four weeks. Yeah. There's no need for me to put a third set in there right now because it would just fry me. Yeah. And I can, and you can, and that's just from having good training age and knowing that, like, you know, I can get more volume on a ham curl or a prone curl than I need here right now. Yeah. So seven to nine reps, no, nine to 11 reps, usually three working sets. Now, if you begin to start losing to the logbook, or you can just tell that that third set is not going to be really efficient, really useful. Just drop it off. Back down set. Yeah. So pull off a percentage of weight and then keep your rep range at 7 to 11 or look at doing some sort of an intensity variable. A rest pause, a drop set, a strip set, a giant set, a cluster set. Yeah. So all these different intensity variables that you can continue to push that last set where your mechanical force production is now weathered. Yeah. And then you just move to a different plane of motion or a different angle. So chest fly, incline, flat, whatever it may be for this yeah. particular muscle group. So, all right, so that was with your chest stuff. So where, with your working sets, you have three working sets. Does that include your drop sets or is like just depends on how y'all feel that day if you do a drop set? Drop or, sets are, yeah, drop sets are rarely used and usually it's a fatigue management. Like thing. if you're if you're fucked up that day, like you guys kind of, all right, we'll probably get like one good set in, and we'll do a couple drop sets. Always at least two. Yeah, yeah. it's usually three strict straight sets because yeah. we're growing. Yeah, right? a lot of people, like your young kids especially, will see this. Like my Jim Sharp bros that are in there with that same Patrick Mahomes haircut. Yeah, get a different haircut. <laughs> they'll they'll do every intensity variable necessary because they're. Because training can be boring, yeah. but it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's supposed to be a repeated stimulus that your body has to learn to adapt to, right? So there was a big guy. I was doing dumbbell RDLs, and there was a big guy in there. Um, great physique, like a, a big man. A guy who's not not new to training. Yeah. Made the classic comment, you got to keep the muscle guessing. And I kind of was an asshole. I was like, dude, the muscle doesn't need to be guessed. The, the muscle needs to know that there's more load coming next week, asshole. Yeah. Get stronger. Yeah. Like this idea of confusing the muscle is great whenever the stimulus is no longer applicable. Yeah. Right? So if you are growing and getting stronger week to week at this inclined chest press machine. Yeah. I mean, if it's working, you don't stop until it stops working. Why? Why would you right. change it? Soft tissue injuries. Yeah. Or you stop beating the logbook. Yeah. So it goes back to if you're not tracking your workouts, just like you're not tracking your calories, don't tell me you can't lose weight. Yeah. Don't tell me you can't get stronger or build your physique when you're not writing anything down. Yeah. How do you know what you did last week? Yeah. What, what setting? My, my high school, or no, my high school, my college, when we were fighting in, in, at, at App, we couldn't, couldn't make it through the university gym. So I went to a private, like a public gym uh, in the town. And the yeah. guy that ran the place, bless his heart, got me into like bodybuilding mindset real early. Yeah. And really laid this foundation of a principle that I believe in of like building muscle and then training muscle if you're a sports specific athlete. Now I'm now, now all I want to do is build muscle. But for yeah. fighting back in the day, we, we couldn't go up a weight class where I didn't want to. So we would get as strong as we could at a weight. And then, you know, it's three, three, six months of weight training. Then you go do your weight type practice yeah. for a tournament. Um, he had this idea. And he taught me to write down everything about the workout to the to the notch of where your seat position is. So it's highly replicable. Yeah. Like if you have the seat at a, at the fourth hole, make a note of that in your notebook. Yeah. Until it's just ingrained that that's where that angle of your leg press is. Yeah. And because eventually, like you, unless you train an Ant Performance Mobile, where there's a ton of variation just in the equipment itself. Oh, yeah. yeah we have, I think, we don't five have different that. leg presses. Yeah, so. dude. <laughs> I, I don't have that back home. Yeah. Especially if you're at Club 4 or one of these places where that 
especially that wannabe hack squat where you only have the low back support, mm-hmm. that that glorified leg extension. Yeah. That's a bad example, but imagine that they have that leg press, that Cybex rib leg press. Yeah. If you change that back pad angle, that changes your hip angle. Yeah. So in the least degree, that is variation. Yeah. That is something that you can use down the line in a mezzo when you're just tired of doing this leg press. Maybe you go to like a super closed hip angle and do, and that's going to shorten the range of motion naturally. And then that's going to be a different variation in that leg press. Yeah. Perhaps you play with your your feet stance or, um, yeah, 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 your feet placement on the platform. Narrow versus wide, high versus low, biasing yeah. the glute, biasing the hamstring. Yeah. It's all these different variations that when you're just doing your accessory lifts as like a weightlifter, you're just like, all right, tricep pushdowns. Yeah. Like a tricep pushdown out, uh, like a V-bar pushdown out towards, like from, if you're at a, a slight back angle, let's say six inches from the belt yeah. to the belt, that, that six inches is a completely different uh, stimulus on the tricep. No, and it feels different. It's just like, you know, if you want to talk about tricep extension, um, you know, it's, it doesn't matter if it's like a V or straight bar or whatever, but if you're just like underneath just pushing down like this, Compared to this, oh yeah, this is way more taxing. This is going to crush you because mm-hmm. it's all tricep. Mm-hmm. This is shoulder, a little bit yeah. tricep, a little bit of everything. Forearm. Where here it's like you are just pushing down, yeah. kind of like you were talking about yesterday about doing a strict push down on the lat pullover machine to mm-hmm. just hit your triceps. You know, it's a little different angle, yeah. Um, but I think that's what a lot of people don't realize, and especially young kids, is intensity is so huge when it comes to whatever you're doing. Like you, you don't have to, like you said, you don't have to change it up every week, every two weeks, every three weeks. You know, eventually you change it up, especially when it comes to more performance stuff. You have to change it up every once in a while. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're on bodybuilding, if you're, if you keep progressing or like even weightlifting or powerlifting, like if five by five works for you and you're every, every month when you start it back over, you are getting stronger. Like you can go up 2%. Why would you change anything until it doesn't work anymore? If so you, you do a block and it's like, you know what, I need it. We need to change it up. If you, you know? if you can add a pound a week to a lift, yeah, over a year, and you can do that over a decade, yeah, congratulations. It's a lot of weight. You're the strongest man in the world. And you probably just won the Olympia. Yeah. So yeah, two. And this is, I think we haven't really talked about this. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but my target audience, that the reason I do any of this shit is because I, I literally have thought about this with a little help from introspection. I want to be able to find the people. I want to find the Travis 10 years ago. Yeah. And, and I want to be able to shorten that timeline of where it took me to get to here yeah. over a decade. If I can help cut it down for you to five years, yeah, I'm a happy person. So that's the only reason like I'm, I even run some of this like social media and like, you know, have these conversations yeah. on recorded because we yeah. talk about this off air. Yeah. Is I want to help the next generation. Yeah, like if, if one person asks for help and it helps them, then fuck that's you it, do yeah. what you want. And that's kind of like I'm so happy. That's what I do for a job. That's kind of what why I have the gym. You know, it's like I tell these kids that come to class or do a custom program or anything like that, um, you've got to push it. Like your 45-minute workouts at school are great, yeah. but you're not going to get hurt if you go to Club 4, you go to YMCA, you come here, you do this, you do that, you go to Planet Fitness, you put another 90 minutes of just crushing it in. You're 16, 17 years old. You're never going to get sore. You're going to recover. Like, you have to do that. Because I tell them when I was a kid from, I guess you would say ninth grade, because that's when high school. But I started training when I was in sixth grade with a bow flex and some concrete plates, the old school stuff. But, like, from ninth grade all the way through college, 
but like really like high school, it's a, I can attest to this. I would have workouts after school for like 90 minutes, whatever the typical football workouts. Then I would stay another 30, 40 minutes or whatever till they sh- shut the gym, shut the weight room down. Then I would go to the YMCA for another two hours every day. I would do that. And by the time I was for sure 16, I benched four or five, squad 500, Still could deadlift over, could deadlift over 600 pounds, clean, moment. clean 300 some pounds over like 360. And then senior year, I was benching 440. Squat still never got to where it was now, but I think it's just lever-wise, just being taller. Yeah. But the deadlift kept growing. I can remember the YMCA, I did a 615 for a double, like without a belt when I was 17 years old, right? And then I cleaned 385 from a hang. That's crazy. My uh, senior year, like going into football or whatever. Um, but I, I, equate, I equate a lot of that to, you know, did I do the smartest training? No. I, had, I got the Flex magazines. I would do that bullshit at the gym and stuff. But I did my sports performance. And then I would go do the bodybuilding style stuff and just get the volume in and just push it every day as hard as I could. And what happened? I got super fucking strong. Mm-hmm. Never really got hurt till my senior year of college. And then now with my shoulder, but like these kids don't want to do that. The coaches don't want them to do that. They're like, oh, we're getting enough in, in this 45 minute workout. Really? You're getting enough in, in 45 minutes in the weight room from your warm up to your stretching to your cool down it's like 45 minutes like no you're 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 not you have to do extra work be smart about it like i'd never went in bench press or squatted if i did that at school i would always just do the machines or dumbbells kettlebells or barbell stuff but no like true loading stuff like a bench press or a squat but like if these kids they just need to learn to put the work in and not settle for oh i did enough at school today different population because you're dealing with athletes yeah, a lot of the people that I see that I'm trying to really target my message to are the gym bros. Yeah, the the younger gym bros because they love this too. They understand that this is cheaper than therapy, and that you know anything outside these doors is just as hard. If we come in here and start our day with something hard, then their day's easy. Yeah, I have a desk job that sucks. Um, so by working out first thing in the morning, the day's easy. Yeah, and I've already chose to do something hard. I've went and sought something difficult. Yeah, so. You see these kids, and there's been a there's been a change in the last few years, and I have a theory as to why. But you still, in the last few years, there's a there's a generation between us and like the golden era guys. Yeah, and that's when they started. I think we really started getting like more social media and stuff, where people were marketing all these in high variable intensity workouts, like all the hit training and like yeah. supersetting everything, and and which it has place. There's a time for metabolite. Yeah, but the literature is pretty strong. You're Body really adapts to metabolite training. What we mean by metabolite training is if you are training for specifically just a pump, so a drop set, superset, blood flow restriction, yeah. those are metabolites because it's trapping the blood in the muscle. It's not letting it escape because the pump is so hard and there's not as much circulation. Yeah. And then that presence of lactic acid, so on and so forth, is actually a driver for hypertrophy because it's metabolically damaging to the cell. So the cell gets more robust, stronger, so they can handle that damage next time. Much, very much like mechanical force. When we pull the muscle apart by contracting it and the eccentric, it gets stronger and bigger. Welcome to Biomechanics 101. Yeah. Okay? So you'd see kids doing these drop sets, and especially like everyone knows the guy that's doing a drop set at 6 p.m. He's on the cable crossover and the bench press. Like, what are we doing, right? Yeah. And, the, and they train with intensity. They want to train with intensity, but they don't have the other things accounted for, right? They don't have control, style, and grace. All they have is pre-workout and ammonia salt. 
Yeah. So you're all over the place, half repping, you're grunting and screaming and throwing weights, and that's great. I'm glad that your heart's in it. Train hard, man. But if I can help you, yeah. my, my, my encouragement would be turn all that off, get into your muscle, and then bring the intensity. Yeah. Right? Don't be scream. Don't be grunting because you want the set to be over. Be grunting because you can't get enough air in to oxygenate your blood to produce another contraction. Yeah. So there's been a l- recent switch that I've noticed in just my people watching, of people training, is that there's a big change of these kids, particularly the ones who have great physiques, like the little, there's a 16 to 19 year old class that have like some pretty good physiques for these little kids now. The SARM crew. Hopefully they're on SARMs. I was about to go there. Hopefully this isn't uh, the SARM crew. If you think that someone has told you that SARMs are not going to affect your body, you're being lied to. Uh, don't do that. If you if you ever think about supplementing your hormones, wait until you're in the 30s. When you're three, you get a T. That's my advice to anyone. Yeah. When you got the 30s in your, you can look for getting test replacement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good luck destroying yourself. And but also, like, if it. you're gonna spend, here you go. Like, I mean, everybody knows I can't because of. I mean, you, I could get tested anytime, especially when I compete or if you if you medal, you're gonna get tested right off stage. But if you're gonna do something, why would you spend eighty dollars on a SARM when you could spend eighty dollars on straight up testosterone from CVS that right. that you could get prescribed or you could find it somewhere? But it's the real thing. Or fifty, or like you know, and you your health see, insurance will cover exactly. it. And it comes from a lab, and it's it's chemically what your body is known to yeah. break down and utilize. As opposed to some weird thing that's like messing with a receptor. Yeah, they took they you know, <laughs> they take one thing away, so it's not this, but it's not quite the real thing. Or even just messing with like peptides that come from a lab that are, you know, some peptides come from the human body that they they've reworked so that you can take them. But if you're ni- if you're nineteen, if you're sixteen, but you have and with that with being so young, you 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 have so much testosterone naturally. running through your body. That's why I was so strong. And that's why I'm strong now. And and we, we can rant on this after after we finish talking about this. I like what you want to talk about. Um, I was so strong because I ne- had so much testosterone running through my, my body when I was like 14 to 18. But like I just pushed it so hard that I constantly got bigger, mm-hmm. stronger, faster. I was recovering. I was pushing. I didn't need anything. Like I took creatine, glutamine. I took all that stuff. Sure. But like that was just, you know, that was – with athletes too for recovery like that helps you get bigger fast stronger but i didn't need the testosterone or SARMs or any of the crazy stuff they had even then because i always like every week i got stronger right. and i got bigger and right. i got faster and i got more veins and i got tighter and i was like this is fucking good i'm jumping higher i'm running faster mm-hmm. like why like why would you not just use what your body can do because when you take the SARMs, you take the testosterone when you're 16 17 18 even in your mid-20s like at some point when you come off of that like you're gonna be really fucked like it's you're not gonna have you can then you're gonna have to really be on stuff your whole life now. Yeah, and it's know? not gonna be as effective. There's no free ride. It's a system, yeah. right? So if you introduce something into the system that was not um, like an energy system, we can use an example. If you if you inter- you can't just create out of nothing. Yeah, right? there's a cost to it. So if you are introducing something to the system exogenously outside of the body, as opposed to being made inside the body, then there is a there's a fee that's gonna be paid at some point down yeah. that line. If you don't wrestle with what that fee is going to be, good luck. And yeah. what is it? Why is it important to you to have a half-made physique at sixteen when you could look like a phenom at twenty-four yeah. if you just kept working? No, for sure. So it's one of those things where that sixteen to nineteen-year-old SARM crew. I hope this message gets to you because you got a lot of learning to do. You got a lot to clean up and a lot of gains that you can made. I mean, you probably eat a completely different diet when you were sixteen, and these kids are eating. 
you cannot get big. I mean, you can get calories from Taco Bell, but don't think you're going to be building lean protein or lean muscle. I don't well, care what influencer, what Rich Piano what, taught you guys. I don't. It doesn't matter. Well, and at the same time, they're not eating enough food. They're not the eating. kids aren't because I see it with the kids in high not. school from guys or girls. They act like they're eating. And I'm like, what? You're not eating. You're not eating anything. And it's one of those things too, where you know we used to say this uh, on the weightlifting team because you know everyone's tested is yeah. nine hours of sleep is a steroid. Yeah. Like, if you can get nine hours of sleep a night, that is a steroid, and it's a legal one. So what are you doing? You're up playing Fortnite or something? Why? Yeah. Why is that important to you when you're complaining about your progress in the gym? Yeah. It's uh, it's very, um, it, I don't know, it's frustrating, like, especially like you said about the diet, because these kids, they think they're eating enough or doing this. It's like, dude, look, if you're going to eat shitty, eat shitty, but eat a lot of shitty food. Eat a lot of calories. Eat yeah. a lot. Because, like, I'll have kids, I'm tired, I can't gain weight, I can't, well, you're not getting, because you're not eating anything. Like, just because you have a big dinner doesn't mean you're eating a lot. Or they're tired because yeah. they're eating so much crappy food. So, like, I can, like, test, like, in high school, I'd have breakfast or whatever. I'd probably have, like, five snacks a day. My mom worked at school, so it was a little easier for me to have some extra stuff. But, like, I would have, like, sandwiches all throughout the day. Mm-hmm. I'd eat, I, I mean, I'd probably, like, three to 4,000 calories a day in high school. Like, I, when there was track meets, I'd have big biscuits, two of them with sausage and cheese and egg. I ate so much food because I was doing so much work. Right. Like, could have ate cleaner, of course. Yeah. But at the same time, I was 16, 17. Like, I was burning it off. Like, yeah. But I had used those calories for training, for track, for football, for wrestling, for working out. And these kids, you know, they want to have their little carb shake before they work out. And they want to go, you know, have their McDonald's afterwards so they can, you know get their nutrients in, like, you know, shock their system. But it's like, just eat a lot of food, do it right majority of the time, and you'll see the difference and you'll feel better. You Agreed. Know? Let's take a quick break. We'll come right. back and finish that point. All right, and we're back. So Break number two. So we're talking about the kids, talking about how they train and their philosophy. Oh, I know what I was going to talk about. So it's like kind of goes back to the, to the gym bro, Instagram, clout, always posting videos, which is fine. Who cares about that? But the in, I think it all goes back to, like, intensity of training. So, for instance, like, mm-hmm. the past four months before I had shoulder surgery, when I'd go to, like, Club 4, which is the Globo Gym here in town, mm-hmm. I would pretty much do triceps and biceps. That's all I could do. I would do legs, too, but, like, I couldn't do any shoulders, couldn't do any chest because I, I wanted this to heal, which it did heal up a lot prior to surgery. But I could go in and get 300-some reps in it, like, crush it, like, sing my single-arm joints with just cable stuff in th- less than 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And there's people still on the same machine. Yeah. And I think that is a huge mistake. These people want to be in the gym for three, four hours a day training, but they really only did like 20 minutes of work. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you start, you start people watching at these gyms and like, like, man, like, fuck. I'm probably a little guilty of this myself, though. Yeah. I mean, we all get locked into that. But it's like you, you look at the same – I see the same people every time I go in there doing the same bullshit, taking forever, mm-hmm. sitting on a bench, not really doing stuff, do a set here. And it's like, you know, I'm in there. One working set and three sets of Instagram. Yeah, and I'm like in there doing my tricep or bicep work, and it's like nonstop. Like just I, – I don't, I, don't, I don't take a rest. I just go, 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 go so I can get in and out. And it's like, man, like they wonder why they don't see, say, physique or health or performance changes. It's because you're – the intent of training isn't there. What's your intent? I try to tell these kids at the school, like, hey, like, what's your intent when you want to squat? Are you just going through the motions or are you trying to move the bar as fast as you can? Mm-hmm. Like, if I hear the bar rattle, 
then you're probably getting better. Yeah. If I don't hear it, and you're just going through the motions, like you're just wasting my time, yeah. wasting your coach's time, wasting your time, and you wonder why you're still fat and slow, can't move. It's frustrating, and you can't really tell the kids that because it's not a good look. But at some point, like you I wish we could, though. You know, you it, have to. Well, that's the good thing about you know having a private facility is once a kid really buys in. So usually, like if a kid comes to my class. Within, like, a month, really, like, you can tell if a kid's going to buy into it. So if they really buy into the training, it's like, okay. And I know they're going to be here long-term, like, throughout the summer or fall, as long as they don't have, like, a sport. It's like, all right, what can I transition to? Weightlifting or just straight-up true strength training with deadlifting, Mm -hmm. box squatting, front squatting, regular squatting, bench press, you know. So there's the the two avenues I, I push a kid depending on how they move and kind of, like, if they buy in. I want their interest on. It's funny nope. that you say that, man, because I don't know if this ever came out. This is a funny story. I was, um, it had to be the last month before I left here. I was training on the end down there. Uh, you had a, vol- a group of female volleyball players. You had one of your interns, like having them go through a, a strength circuit. Yeah. And I was doing something on the end down there close to the reverse hypers. Um, maybe like, man, I, I was doing something, probably upper body, yeah, shoulder something. And, uh, Kind of making a bit of an ass of myself, you know, a little grunting, little, little, little force production. Yeah, um, making some sounds, and I heard the two girls, two girls talking, um, kind of under their breath when the the instructor was patient. Was like, "This is stupid. Why are we doing this?" Yeah, I just had a mood in me that day. I was like, "Do you want to play volleyball in college?" I was like, "Yeah, that's my goal." I was like, "You're never going to make it." <laughs> and they True looked though. at they looked at me like I just spit in their face. It's like you're never going to make it. She goes, and you know, so I just continue the point. I was like, the fact that you even think that like the way that you're doing these goblet squats or whatever is stupid you're not going to make it like you got somebody out here who's offered to build a facility and train you in jake and he has these coaches you know in chasing or whoever it may be at the time to lead you through these exercises and you're giving 20 percent of the effort like that's not what's going to make you great yeah. now i'm curious if they pay, if they're still following you and i'm curious because they were an older group if you left high school and did you make it because i bet you didn't and it's, it's hard to tell people that, yeah. but, man, sometimes it helps to hear it because that could be all it takes to turn yeah. someone around. No, and with that point, um, with any of the girls, the volleyball girls that, from, that we've trained in high school, because that's the main sport I work with is volleyball. I work with all sports, but volleyball is the main one where we crush them. And Quite a few state champions, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, we go to state every year, win state championships. Different schools, different, I mean, different schools, but, like, the main one that we work with I mean, they go every year to the finals. If they win, they win. If they don't, they don't. But every girl that went off to play in college, like major D1, D1 AA, doesn't where they, matter where they go, the training in college is way easier and it's nothing compared to what we did in high school. And that's the goal. It's like – Yeah, you're welcome. Like, like, hey, like, we're doing this because if you want to play in college, you have to understand that it's going to be hard and – you would hope that a college program is harder than what you do in high school, but I, I've been in college. I know what Maybe it is. Not. I know it's not what what to give the girls, so they know they have to do extra stuff because they're not going to get all of it in. Yeah. And every single one of them, when they come back, it's like it's way easier. Like I, we need to train when we come back for winter break, spring break, summer break because we're not doing enough. We're not the intensity is not there. Right. Um, and the ones that are playing college are grateful for us busting their ass. Mm-hmm. And making them suffer and being feeling uncomfortable because you know they're winning conference championships, they're becoming conference players of the year, they're going to you know volleyball um, national championship like the series or whatever it's called. I mean, 
it's worth it. And the kids that think, why am I doing this? Well, you're just, if you want to play, you're not going to make it in college. I don't know how you make it in high school. Like, well, you, I, do any high school programs really cut people anymore? Uh, I mean, unless they have a roster spot, like I mean, anyone yeah, can play. I mean, like, so really the only sports that really cut people are like volleyball and baseball just because there's only so many roster spots. But at the same time, like, if a lot of it too is like buddy system. Does your, does your mom or your daddy know somebody and they're going to be on the team just because of that? Where I can say, like, at one of the schools that we work with, like, it's not that. Like, she don't, like it doesn't give a fuck. Like, do you think that being able to struggle is a learnable skill, is a teachable skill? Uh, I I think it's teachable. I think it's learnable, but I don't know. Everyone's different. They have something has to happen. I'll say this because there's definitely the examples are there, like buds, hell week. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. Like the some, population matters. There's something that has to happen for someone to become a teachable moment. Like, we have a young youth weightlifter in here, and he it hasn't clicked yet. You can motherfuck him, yell at him, tell him everything, and, like, it'll click that day, and, like, you need – and it sucks that I have to fucking yell at him every single day because I don't like coaching like that. Mm-hmm. Like, with my, all mothers, it's like, hey, like, that was a crappy set. Let's do this. Fix it. Come on. Get your, get your fucking mind right, and let's go. But with the young one, like, it just doesn't click. Ever. And it's like always something you have to yell at him about. But when you yell at him, it clicks. But the learn, it's like he hasn't had the moment where he had like a grasp, where he learned it. It's just like you're trying to teach. Like these are trying to be teachable moments. But for every individual, it's different. I think you have to, something has to, you have to have that oh fuck moment. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, like when I played football, I was uh, in middle school, first year playing, started when I was 12 on like the eighth grade team. I had the old fuck moment of getting the shit knocked out of me. And, like, I didn't go back in the game. Like, I was a puss about it. But, like, from that day forward, I was like, I'm either going to do it or I'm not. That was my old fuck moment. No matter what would happen when it comes to training, football, like, that was the old fuck moment. Like, I'm either going to progress or I'm not going to progress. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Everybody has that moment. Um, and then once that moment happens, then I think that it's teachable. Mm-hmm. But until that moment occurs – I don't. I don't think it's because everybody's different. Like you don't know. Like like I said, with the ki- with the youth, like it's every day you have to get onto him about something because he just doesn't listen or doesn't learn or doesn't con- get the concept of what we're trying to do until someone comes in here that's the same age, same weight, and whoops his ass, or he gets his ass beat in school, and it's like fight or flight. Yeah, that's but, where wrestling's really helpful. You know what I mean? And I think that's what happened with Tristan too. Like I never really had to ever yell at him, but I think when he started wrestling. He had the oh fuck moments of like someone who's not as strong, not as big, fucked him up. Or the same age, same weight. Yeah. I should have a I should have a chance here, and you get ragged. And you get yeah, exactly. And that was like probably his fight or flight. And that's when he started actually show emotions on the platform. Before, if you would miss, he'd be like yeah, yeah. There's I'll no fix con- it. there's no consequences. Now it's like he gets fucking mad, and it ha- it's due to something in wrestling. He had that teachable moment that now he learned from. Now you can, you know, he can learn when you give him more teachable moments because he understands it, but. Like I said, I think for everybody, there's something that has to happen mentally. And everybody's different, but like you said, buds. Like, I mean, that's a great te- – like, you can go through buds. Like, like that's that. all teachable. Like, I mean, when I was at South, we had um, – um, what was it called? What's the Navy SEAL thing? Hell Week? No, 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 no. Like, the people that come around, that go drive around, that go – that's uh, – Instructors? No, people pay for it to get the shit beat out of them. Um, okay. SEAL fit. Seal fit is that what it's called? Yeah. That was so like, so seal fit came before they started going to schools. When I was a grad assistant, 
the video guy, like, they came to South. Like, they came twice. The second time was kind of soft. They had to, like, bring it back a little bit because the first time. <laughs> they broke people off. They fucking wrecked kids from 4 a.m. from 4 p.m. till 6 a.m. the next through morning. The nonstop. And, like, they wrecked them, but that was a great learning experience for those kids because there was nobody really on the staff mm-hmm. at that, that time that could, like, motherfuck them or yell at them that they really gave a shit about. But, like. You're not going to go off on these guys because yeah. they didn't give a fuck. They're, they they would put your your dick in the dirt. Yeah, and like they're not here for a paycheck. And like nobody's talk back. No, and it was a great learning experience for those kids. And there was a lot of teachable, and they learned. And then the rest of the time, the, those kids were there. They had a lot of teachable moments, so they could understand um, that concept from you know. There's a lot that you can be upset about social media for, but there's also a ton that you could be grateful for. And one of the things I'm grateful for is to have the opportunity to be introduced to people like David Goggins, who has been able to conceptualize this idea of like most people quit at 40%. Yeah. And if you can just wrestle with that for yourself, like think about, <clears throat> you know, I can really, I can find examples that are applicable you know, now, but think about even just in the past, like most people are going to quit at 40%. Think about something yourself, you know, uh, a, a set of squats or hack squats or something is a great example of this. You know, most people want out at 40%. Yeah. To, to bring this back to bodybuilding. Arnold said it, you know, once he started, he started counting when it started burning. Right, yeah. because that's the only thing that really matters. So to be able to be teachable, to preserve or to persevere, to be uncomfortable in, to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations, yeah. I think is a teachable skill that a lot of people overlook. And sometimes you just need to be taught that through, you know, a, a, a brutal programming, six yeah. weeks of five three one or whatever it may be, yeah. or you know, your summer doing Jefferson squats or yeah. whatever you're doing. But I think that's where. I call it, you know, control and grace. I think that's where a lot of people need to be able to turn off that, my God, this hurts. Yeah. And and this isn't fun. And buy into the idea of, like, this is what I need to improve. Yeah. Right? This is the dose that's prescribed for improvement. No, right? for sure. So if you're on blood pressure medication, you don't double the dose for double the effect. That's silly. You don't take half of the prescribed dose and think you're going to get double the effect. Yeah. Right. Well, I think one thing, too, that uh, would really help people nowadays, um, which kind of sounds, might sound silly to some people, but, like, if more people did, like, two months of CrossFit and, like, legit CrossFit, like, because there's going to come the mo- moment with every athlete who's doing a CrossFit workout. As long as it's, like, a, a solid programming, like, hard but good, that's going to be, like, fucking fight or flight. Mm. And this is a teachable moment. Are you going to learn from it or not? You're either going to go past it or you're going to push out. I kind of agree. You know, if, mo- if it doesn't matter what your discipline is. If you do, so, like, just a couple weeks of that, there's going to be that moment where it's like, are you going to go mm-hmm. or are you going to stop? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I can remember specifically trying to, like, partition out, like, 300 air squats. And you get down to the point where, like, all right, I, I'm, I'm going to do 15 this set. I'm going to shake it out and then we'll do, like, another set of 10. Yeah. Maybe. And this is a great little example. Like, you, you, try this, listeners. Like, go tell yourself you're going to do 100 air squats. Instead of doing 10 sets of 10, you can do that one day and then come back on Thursday and try this again. Yeah. Try to do a set, as many as you can in, like, a giant set. And whenever you start feeling like, man, I'm about to stop here, just literally tell yourself you're going to do two more and then stop counting. Yeah. And just stop counting and just see how many more you could actually do as opposed to being so tied to a number. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to do a, a set of 10, and I know I can do 10. So I know at 11 it's difficult. Yeah. Maybe not. And that's a CrossFit's a great example. It's honestly where I kind of started playing, playing with this idea. And someone else talked about it, not in the scope of bodybuilding, but they started talking about like barriers. I forget who this was. 
they said something to the degree of like when you this 40 percent model like once you break through like one barrier of like yeah. man i need to stop here i can't you know 10 squats my legs are burning there's no way i can do 20 but if you do or if yeah. you try to and you get more you realize okay well i actually made it through that where's where's that next no. wall that i'm going to run into and can i get through that one yeah and man you can start making tremendous tremendous improvements in your performance your physique your training your daily life just by realizing that like as soon as you bump up against any resistance yeah ryan holiday wrote this book the stoic you know the uh, obstacle is the way yeah you know the the path is the prize the struggle is what we're here for Mm -hmm. so as soon as you can start to manufacture manifest that and look for it it's a whole lot easier to take this whole weight thing training thing and progress and, and really evolve and no. use this iron. Like Henry Rollins said, you know, it's your best friend. No, and I think, too, like you said, there's a, a uh, that point where you, once you push through of the pyramid, you can keep going up because it gets easier, yeah. right? So, like, for weightlifting, for instance, for most people, it's like, all right, you clean, you clean two blues. That's Especially like for ladies. ladies. Like you get to that yeah, 100 two blues. kilo. Or, like, guys, like, you snatch two reds. Like, that's a goal. You want to put two slabs of beef on there. Once you do that, all right, then all of a sudden, that might be hard as fuck the first time you get it. But then the next day, like, even if you miss it, you're it, pulling it way faster. Is that 120? Yeah. Yeah, you, you can put 122 on there and, like, well, that's actually five more pounds, but. Yeah, even if you miss, like, you're now all of a sudden you have the confidence to pull it. it faster. Same thing, like, so with me, it was once I did, what was it? Uh, once I got above 160 the first time then I was confident doing it a lot. Mm-hmm. Even though I may have missed here and that missed stuff, but like pulling it from variations, from blocks, from hangs, from the floor, yeah. over 160 was like, okay, if I miss it, I miss it, but like I'll come back and I'll make it. I know I will. You know what I mean? Exposure therapy. So then now it's like, all right, now it's with me. It's like when I get back, it's like, all right, what? it's going to be a slow process, but it's going to be, you know, two reds on the snatch for my shoulder for confidence. And it's going to be two reds and a green. Then it's going to be two reds, a green, and a, and a little red. And then it'll be a yellow. And then slowly work my way back up. Or, like, with clean and jerks, you know, like, fuck. Like, the one, everybody wants to get the 184, 185. Like, that's what you want. The 407. Everybody wants that. 400. Once you do that. Shit. Take a little pause. Pause. Okay. All right. And we're back. A little um, camera switch. To bring you back in, you were talking about rehabbing the shoulder and building back up your total um, and chasing the what every weightlifter wants. Just like the gym bros. You want to bench two plates yeah. and then eventually bench three plates. And I think all of our gym, all of our weightlifters, the first milestone is that 400-pound clean. So no. 183, 184? Yeah, yes. so I think um, the biggest thing is once people – once you hit it the first time, even if you don't hit it again for a while, you're not afraid to get under the bar. Right. You're going to try it. You're going to do it. You're going to work off that number. Um, so once you get hit, break that plateau, then you have the confidence to do more. Even if you don't ever do more, you're going to always have the confidence. But it's always that first time that you put three, three reds on there and a green. Or, you know, with me, it's like 440 was like huge. Just like – I know I could fucking do it, but just like mentally, it was like a block. Oh, yeah. Fuck. It was a block. Yeah. And after I did it the first time, actually, I, I, when I actually made it, then I wasn't afraid to get under it again. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, progressed up to almost 460. Like, I think 457 was my best, right? 
there's a reason why coaches program, you know, 100 plus percentage on your pulls yeah. is so that you shake hands with that bar. You yeah. Know? And pulling under is a different one. Like, your weightlifting is a very unique thing where, you know, there is all the hypertrophy drivers as well, but you yeah. also have to deal with the confidence and the skill yeah. to be in the right positions at the right yeah. time to execute. And that's one thing I like about when I train um, my elite guys or college guys or high school guys that really buy into it who are more sports performance and not weightlifters um, doing some sort of, you know, say for bench, for instance, like a board press, a floor press, something the way that you can overload them. Mm-hmm. It's the, so I have a couple guys coming in now who, I mean, one, they bench two bench 315, one bench is 330. Like, all right, well, we're going to get the 330 guy close to 400 by season. We're going to get you two that are doing 315 to 365 by se- by summer, like by, by season before summer ball, before August starts, before camp starts. But they, if you don't ever put anything in your hands that mm-hmm. feel like that, you're not going to have the confidence. So, like, you know, we did some high board presses. They did, like, one did – 365 one did he missed three 380 i think but it was a good miss and the other one you know did like 330 or 340 it's the most weight they've ever held in their hands mm-hmm. so their nervous system's used to that and another power lifter i have who is a straight power lifter who has a couple I'm not quite sure if aaron has um national titles is this the guy that's I'm, a state champ? Yeah, I know he has. he's a state champ. I know he has Mississippi records. He might have national records. I know he has a national title as a junior, I believe. But I don't know if he has. It's like the, 80, 81 kilo? No, no, no. This is a big guy. Is he, he's a heavyweight. But I don't know. But anyways, he, he's really strong. He has records either state or nationally, right? But, like, his goal is, like, we want to get him as close to 500 pounds before he's out of the junior class or whatever, right? I think he has like another year or two before that, before he has to compete as a true senior. Um, or maybe it's past that. Or he wants to get to 500 pounds, vice versa, whatever whatever the case may be. So we've been working on not any true benching, not any true squatting, but some sort of variation for save his shoulders and stuff. A lot of uh, board, uh, like, you know, the power, the block. Mm-hmm. So we have like a lead FTS one, which is like a two-inch block once it compresses on him. So we've been doing it. We did a variation of that for a week, and then we kept adding stuff. And then last week, we had that with weight releasers. And I said, I need at least 500 pounds. On the descent. On the descent. Minimum 500 pounds. Like, you need to feel that because you need to feel your bones wanting to collapse. You need to feel that because, like, if you never have felt that in the meat, like, you unrack that, like, you're going to be fucking shook. But if you feel it beforehand, then it's like, okay, it's whatever. So with him, I think his top set was four. 60-ish on the bar, but then he had over 100 and some pounds. It was like 565, 570 mm-hmm. on the descent. And, like, you could see it coming down. I'll post a video of it here. But like, you could see it coming down, and, like, he said he could feel his bones, like, crushing and shaking, but he, it exploded up off of his chest, right? So he has the confidence now to, like, you know what? When we go to meet, like, four, whatever, it was 475, 465, like, that should be your second attempt. Like, you smoked it. Like, mm-hmm. there's no question. Like, mm-hmm. you have the confidence to do that. Or, like, you know, when it comes to one thing that I really liked that used to do when I was younger when I could handle volume is, you know, sets of anywhere from, you know, 8 to 10 with real high percentages, like 70 to 80%, which fucking sucked. Like, it's brutal. But if you're young, you can recover and you can do it. But what that teaches you, you know, you do four sets of eight at, 75, 80%, like, that's a motherfucking grind. Mm-hmm. But when you have that weight on your back for that time under tension, mm-hmm. 
you're used to squatting uncomfortably. So when you put something heavy on your back, it's, right. it's nothing. Like it's heavy, but you're not afraid because fuck, I just had four or five on my back for a set of ten. Well, it's always gonna be five heavy. sets. You know what I mean? Like yeah. have the confidence with some like some powerlifters who do a lot of like RP stuff, which is fine, but they never put. And so, like it works for some people, great. Some people it doesn't. But if you've never put a load in your hands or on your back that's over your max, what's going to happen at meet day when you have to do something that you've never done? You're un- uncomfortable with. Are you going to smoke it, or are you going to be like, oh fuck, this is like yeah. bone crushing? Well, I think you know the distinct kind of the point is if you were training for a competition sport, the training should be to elevate the minimums, right? You should constantly be moving your minimums up and up and up years that you're training in this especially a strength sport yeah so weightlifting powerlifting even some of your crossfit movements like if you can you know we all know that this is the argument that we've always made about being a strong crossfitter stop being a cardio bunny like go go be strong go clean 315 so when you have to cycle 185 it's nothing oh yeah if your best if your best clean is 225 and you're super proud of it and you're posting your your uh, pr videos whenever you have to cycle at 185 and you've got 2159 it's gonna break you yeah but if your best is 315 and you do working doubles at 280, we're not worried no. about it. You just go in there and worry about how you're going to control your breathing. No, yeah. No, 100%. Strength is king. Yeah, I think, and I think that's a good uh, place to stop it today. Ratchet. Strength is king. Um, and we can, we'll come back and talk more about that. But I think strength will always be the base to everything. And it does, and it's, it's relative strength. I don't want people to get like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not that strong, but I can do that. Well, it's all relative to who you are. Like, can you do 20, like 20 pull-ups? Like, that's fucking strong. Very much. Can you hold a plank for three minutes? That's strong. strong. Like, just, it's all relative. Like, if you have a strong base, everything else will grow. I think someone said it. Strength is never a weakness. Yeah. It's never a weakness. Who is that, Mark Bell? That's Mark Bell, right? So, all right. Remember, uh, like, subscribe, share this. Um, Traffic is lifting on the IG. Uh, do not reach out to me on Facebook. You will not get me. Um, training log podcast, training log podcast on uh, YouTube. It has every bit of six videos, but this will be seven. Got to start up somewhere, right? <laughs> like I said, like, scratch, subs- like, <laughs> share, subscribe, comment. Or- Let us know what you think because I know there's some shit that we say that's wrong, and um, we'll debate you on the next one. <laughs> and just remember, uh, stay savage, not average. Thank you, Brad. Zombie five.